CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode of Markets Daily is sponsored by CME Group. It's Monday, October 30th, 2023, and this is Markets Daily from Coindesk. My name is Noelle Acheson, Coindesk collaborator and author of the Crypto's Macro Now newsletter on Substack. On today's show, we're talking about market moves, consumer expectations, the U.S. Securities and Exchange Commission, and more. So you don't miss an episode, be sure to follow the podcast on your platform of choice. And just a reminder, Coindesk is a news source and does not provide investment advice. Now, a markets roundup. Crypto markets trended up over the weekend. At 8 a.m. Eastern Time this morning, Bitcoin was trading at $34,621, up 1% over the past 24 hours. Ether was doing even better, up 1.5%, trading at $1,816. Other tokens were up even more. Solana climbed more than 8%, Avalanche, Near, Monero, and Arbitrum were up around 5%, Chainlink and Ava were up 4%, and the Axie Infinity token was up almost 15%. Along with prices, crypto spot volumes are picking up. On a seven-day moving average basis, spot volumes are now at their highest level since the market volatility during the US banking crisis in March, and more than double their average volume in September. This is according to data from the blog. In macro indicators, we have to talk today about inflation expectations. This refers to what consumers expect inflation to be in one year, five years, and so on, and is measured in various ways. One metric that the Federal Reserve pays attention to is the University of Michigan Consumer Survey. Going back as far as 1966, the University of Michigan has conducted a detailed monthly survey of U.S. consumers asking questions about current mood, employment prospects, where they think inflation is going, and more. It's relevant information because consumers drive the U.S. economy, especially these days, and what they think hints at what kind of growth lies ahead. The survey results for October were released on Friday, and the picture they paint is worrying. First, there's the overall sentiment index, which came in slightly higher than expected, but much lower than in September. That's not great, because that suggests that spending might be weaker going forward. Even more relevant for the interest rate outlook are consumer inflation expectations, and the latest data on this front is also not great. The University of Michigan survey shows that consumer expectations of inflation one year out have jumped to 4.2%, notably higher than expected and much higher 
than the 3.2% indicated in the September survey. Basically, consumers are saying that they expect inflation to head up from here. The latest headline CPO growth for the month of September was 3.7%. This is not at all what the Fed wants to see because inflation expectations affect behavior. If consumers think inflation is heading up, they could bring forward expenditures, which could push inflation up in an unfortunate self-fulfilling spiral. So this, plus the strong GDP growth we saw last week and the still strong jobs market, mean that we could start to hear the Fed ramp up talk about the possibility of another rate hike in coming months. Yet another thing that could spook the markets. In stocks, U.S. indices closed mixed on Friday, with the S&P 500 down half a percent, the Nasdaq up four-tenths, and the Dow Jones down over one percent. As of Friday, the S&P 500 is down more than 10 percent from its 2023 high, which means it is now in a full-blown correction, going by the standard definition of the word. The Nasdaq is down more than 12 percent from its year-to-date high. So far this morning, Futures are pointing to a strong opening, even though bond yields are climbing again, with the 10-year U.S. Treasury yield back above 4.9%. European stocks were also mixed on Friday, with the U.K.'s FTSE 100 down almost nine-tenths of a percent, the German DAX down three-tenths, and the broader Eurostock 600 up half a percent. So far today, markets are rebounding, with most of the leading indices up at least half a percent. In Asia, markets in Japan were nervous today as the country's central bank meets to discuss monetary policy. The Nikkei index was down almost 1% amid speculation that the Bank of Japan will allow bond yields to rise further. The yield on the 10-year government bond reached almost 0.9% last week, the highest level since 2013. If the central bank does not widen the acceptable range, it will have to step into the market to buy bonds in order to keep yields down. This could make keeping a lid on inflation more difficult. Elsewhere in the region, both the Shanghai Composite and the Hang Sen were more or less flat on the day. In commodities, oil prices are easing slightly today, despite an escalation of the conflict in the Middle East as Israel began its ground offensive over the weekend. This was largely expected and seems it has not been as drastic as many traders had feared. Earlier today, the Brent crude benchmark was down just over half a percent on the day, trading at $88.96 per barrel. Gold is also easing after breaking above $2,000 per ounce on Friday, for the first time since May. Earlier today, the metal was trading down a third of a percent at $1,998 per ounce. Stay with us. After the break, we talk about a recent SEC case against a small blockchain project and what it could mean for the SEC approach going forward. CME Group cryptocurrency futures and options provide market-leading liquidity for Bitcoin and Ether trading. These cash-settled contracts give full exposure to crypto performance without the hassle of holding the physical position. No digital wallet? No problem. Trade nearly 24-7 in a transparent CFTC-regulated market. Visit cmegroup.com crypto to learn more. This communication is not directed to investors of any specific jurisdiction or to recipients based in jurisdictions in which distribution is not permitted. It cannot be considered investment advice or results of market experience. Past results are not indicative of future performance. Trading derivatives products involves the risk of loss. Please consider it carefully. Full disclaimer included in show notes. 
Welcome back. In this section, we look at an elegant critique of the regulator of the largest securities market in the world. On Friday, U.S. SEC Commissioner Hester Peirce published her latest dissent, and in my opinion, it's one of her most powerful to date. She is now finally able to speak out against a case brought by the agency in 2021 in which the SEC went after a blockchain project called Library, which is written L-B-R-Y. The project lost the case, and management has decided not to appeal, which is why Commissioner Peirce can now talk about it in public. Library was a decentralized file-sharing and payment network launched in 2016 with the aim of giving creators greater control of the distribution of their work. Creators could upload video, audio, and documents to the network, and others could pay to access them using the Library token. In its suit against the project, the SEC alleged that Library had broken the law by not registering the tokens as securities. Commissioner Peirce's dissent highlights the disproportionate nature of the action taken against a small innovative project that was not at any stage accused of committing fraud and that tried to do the right thing by disclosing as much as it possibly could. She asks, and I quote, Are investors and the market really better off now after the commission's litigation contributed to the demise of a company that had built a functioning blockchain with a real-world application running on top of it? This case illustrates the arbitrariness and real-life consequences of the Commission's misguided enforcement-driven approach to crypto. End quote. Commissioner Paris also asks why the SEC went after library rather than any one of a number of projects that were outright frauds. And she strongly disagrees with the SEC's claim that the laws are clear and that all a token issuer needs to do is register. I quote again. The application of securities laws to token projects is not clear, despite the Commission's continuous protestations to the contrary. There is no path for a company like Library to come in and register its functional token offering. End quote. Perhaps the most powerful line in her short and well-written note comes after she expressed worry that the SEC's actions would dissuade other innovators from experimenting with blockchain technology. I quote again. A government of a free people should welcome dissent and the technologies that enable it. End quote. As well as three cheers for Commissioner Pierce for her eloquence and conviction, we should also take a moment to appreciate the fact that the United States has a system that allows commissioners to publicly disagree with the agency they work for. That is not the case everywhere. We'll put a note to Commissioner Pierce's dissent in the show notes. That's it for today's show. For more crypto podcasts, check out the Coindesk Podcast Network. You can reach us at podcasts at coindesk.com, follow us, and if you like the show, please leave us a five-star rating on whatever platform you're listening to us on. Markets Daily is produced and edited by Eleanor Paul, with executive production by Jared Schwartz. I'm Noel Atchison for Coindesk. We're back tomorrow with more market news and insights.